Welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannon, And I'm Corey. And we're so thankful that you're here with us today. We got a great conversation, I think, today. But before we get to that, just want to say thank you so much for just all the reviews that you've left. Some of you actually have left some great reviews Amazing over the last couple reviews. of weeks. And I will say that I've needed that. You know, oh. we've, we've dealt with some difficult stuff and we're talking about something that um, a lot of people aren't talking about. And so we could get a lot of flack for that. But those of you that follow us and have been joining the conversation, we appreciate the feedback. Yeah. Shout out to Austin, who just put an amazing uh, review online. I posted it on Facebook yesterday. We appreciate it. So if you haven't already, leave a review share it on your socials, text it to some friends. We appreciate all the feedback. Yeah. And we think these are great conversation starters for you to have with your friends and your circle. And so it for would be sure. great if you would just copy and paste that link, copy right? And paste copy that and link, paste, whatever. copy and text that it. link Figure it to out. a friend, let them listen, you listen, have conversation about it. It'd be great. This week's question of the week, what we just had Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? And before you answer, I recognized I have a friend, his, his name's Jack. He's one of the greatest youth pastors, pastors ever. He posts this every single year, your top three side dishes, and it is the most controversial post of his year. What's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? So for me, it has to be my mom's like homemade dressing or stuffing, whatever you want to call it. And this year, it was the best she's ever made in my life Anyway, Shout trying out it, to Pastor Linda, and it was so good. I almost had a very—I I will say this. I'm gonna—I'm gonna put this in there. I almost had a very awkward um, time at my mother-in-law's because I sat down to eat, and I don't know if it was my brother-in-law Isaac. Someone asked me the question, "Hey, or is anything here that they make better than what your mom makes?" And I'm right there, put on the spot in Ouch. front of Mel's mom, and I'm like. Oh, um, I'm so lie? thankful did though. Did you coddle? Did you fragilize? Cause we've been learning no, about this in our no, own counseling sessions. I didn't. <laughs> and I actually, <laughs> I'm so glad I actually tried her dumplings cause they were fire and right. they actually were better than my mom's. I will say that. And so I was okay. But if I was going to sit there and have to say, make up something or say, no, I like everything my mom does better. I was going to be like, it was so, going to be awkward. So Let's Teresa's got the dumplings and your mom's Man, it was got so the good. stuffing. Yeah, it was good. Hey, Well, what about you? What's going on well, in your world? My life has changed for Thanksgiving since we went vegan three years ago. And my brother made a, my favorite dish was bean uh, green bean casserole. Mm -hmm. And he made it vegan style with coconut milk instead of um, what is whole, whatever, whole milk or whatever it's used. Yeah. And Heavy it whipping, was whipping cream or something. Whatever. Like that. It was amazing. <laughs> it was the best. It was better than what I remember it. So that's going to be mine. Green bean casserole. That's my jam. No, that's good. So what are we talking about today? So today, of course, we've talked about this idea of deconstruction. Yep. What it is. We talked last week, how we navigate through it, some things to remember and consider. And so we just thought the rest of this month of December, we would just talk about actual um, topics. areas and yeah. topics that that we've kind of deconstructed over over the last several years. And and really what we wanted to get started with, because I think it's important, um, it's an important topic to, to talk about and um, to think through what your view on it is. And so we just wanted to dive into the rapture mm -hmm. idea and the rapture theory. Yeah. It's actually called rapture theory, which I didn't learn until like five or six years ago when I began to challenge this ideology, because I always learned it growing up as fact. Fact without knowing that the academia aspect of this 
theological discussion is it's a theory. Right. And that blew my mind. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experiences, but we, we, you know, before we do that, I think it's really important as we start diving into some topics that we believe that some Christian, that all Christians should deconstruct. I also want to give a lot of grace in that conversation that some of these topics you might think aren't necessary. And some of these topics aren't important to you. And we get that. But for me personally, dissecting this rapture theory was monumental for my personal journey. This is where all the dominoes started to fall with this one thing. And so I grew up with an understanding of, I grew up with the Left Behind series. Dude, I played hockey at Liberty University. Do you know what our rink was named after? Tim LaHaye, the guy that wrote the Left Behind series. Oh, wow. Yeah, he donated all the money for our hockey rink. So like, I'm in Baptist culture. We are ingrained in the rapture. I, I remember specifically going to bed every single night and praying, trying to remember all of my sins and asking for forgiveness because I was terrified of missing the rapture. There, when, when I was in high school and later on in college years, there was a lot of jokes and pranks around the rapture. This was a very common held belief in my experiences. In fact, one of my college roommate tells a story. Now, I, I'm going to tell the story. I don't know if it's factual. His name is Mike Binney. So if you have a problem with him, you can ask me. I'll tell you his number and you can call him and be like, dude, that that is a myth. But he would tell this story about the youth group that he grew up in, in Canada, where they were on like a fall retreat or winter retreat. And one of the girls overslept uh, for their morning meeting and they all played a prank on her with the rapture. And they set up like clothes, you know, there were uh, toothbrushes in the sink with the water running. Like they set it up to make this girl believe that she missed right. the rapture. Right. When she wakes up, she's so terrified and shooketh that she missed the rapture. The story that he tells is she jumped out of the second story window and killed herself. And it, that like, I still remember hearing this story and then making it personal of how many times I had conversations about the rapture or, or just believed things about the, it, it created so much fear that that was my basis for being a Christian was because I was terrified of missing the rapture and terrified of going to hell. Yeah. And I don't know if that story is true or not. That is an extreme example, extreme. but, but even if we come back a little bit from that extreme example and just say that, man, maybe we were a part of things. And I know I yeah, was too. I was. Where, and I even showed videos and things to kind of terrify students. Like, look, you do not want to miss this. Like you have to believe in Jesus or you're not going to be raptured. You're going to be left behind. And and that's what I grew up with. Yeah. And realizing later on that that was all like fear-based. And so for me, this, this conversation of rapture also began to really come to the forefront for me whenever I kind of walk through just even understanding, um, you know, the idea of repentance and it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads people right to change their mind and view about God. And I'm in this process of, man, why, why would I ever want to be a part of something that's instilling fear in people? And so that, that's where this thing began to break down for me. And I had to go and, and really just start studying out for myself Yeah, what this was about. Yeah. Because perfect love casts out all fear. What first John 4, 18. And so if there's any fear in any regard of your aspect to Jesus or the Bible or whatever, I would say that's a wrong belief or held from a wrong belief because fear is a motivator, but it's a wrong motivator. And so like, yeah, so we started diving into this five, six years ago 
And I, again, I grew up in the Baptist culture, so I was a part of listening to all the predictions of the rapture and when it was going to happen. You know, for me, it started with Edgar Wisenant's book, um, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Could Be in 1988. The crazy thing about this is he revised this date to October 3rd after it didn't happen in September of 1988. And then he revised this book to 1989 when it didn't happen October 3rd, then revised it again in 93 and 94. Not only that, Harold Camping, who you might not know who this is, but he got famous again, I think uh, it was in 2011, but he came on the scene in 1994 predicting that the rapture would happen on September 6th, then September 29th, and then October 2nd, so three times in 1994, then gave his fourth prediction that would happen on March 31st, 1995, and that would be his last prediction until he popped up again on the scene in 2011 when he predicted that it would happen on May 21st. And I remember that specific one because I was just about to graduate uh, from seminary. And I remember that being a big news story because I was at Liberty University. Harold Camping predicting the world would end May 21st, 2011. So that was like when it all started, like, oh my gosh. And the fact that those things didn't happen and how ridiculous people sound when they talk about the rapture, it's, it's embarrassing now. Yeah. And there's and, a lot more examples. Yeah, there's a lot more examples. I know one of them is John Hagee, and he's got a ministry uh, cornerstone down in Dallas. And in 2013, he predicted what happened in 2014. And then when it didn't happen, he predicted it would happen again in 2015. And not to really stay here, but it's one of the reasons too, why we even changed. Now it's not the main reason, but it is one of the reasons why we changed our name from cornerstone to Hill City because there were six cornerstones in the Louisville area, but we also started to get questions. Oh, you're tied to John Hagee's ministry mm -hmm. in Dallas. And like, mm -hmm. oh, well, just because our name's Cornerstone? No, yeah, not that it was the full out reason, but again, another thing that led up to the reason we why we changed. No, no, yeah. we didn't. But there's also David Mead in 2015, then 2017, 2018. Many other Christian fundamentalists agreed with the dating in 2015, but then now they've again changed their mind because it didn't happen in 2015. Now they believe it to be in 2028, that that's the most likely date for the rapture. And of course, there, there's just hundreds of these predictions. And there's been hundreds of predictions since the 19th century, since mm -hmm. the 1800s. In fact, the reason why all these predictions started in the 19th century is that the rapture and this idea of rapture theory really wasn't a historical teaching of the early church and actually it gained popularity in the 1800s, specifically 1830s by this dude named John Nelson Darby. Yeah. And, and so, not, not to say there weren't predictions before the 19th century, but it wasn't popular right. in, in the Christianity. And, and that man, that's crazy. A lot of people will say, and I'm going to debunk this real quick. Oh, well, you know, the scripture says we don't know the hour and, and I get what they're saying. And, and that's when people are like, well, even people that believe in rapture are like, well, those people are idiots because the scripture is clear that we don't know the hour. However, John writes in later in his later books, and I think it's first John or whatnot. I can give you the exact verse if you want to text me, but he says, this is the hour and literally talked about because when Jesus was talking about no one will know the hour, they were talking about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, which we talked about in our transition series and understanding eschatology, which again, we'll, we might talk about in a future episode, but it, it wasn't talking about us leaving the earth yeah. ever. Yeah. John and Peter actually say when in their writings, they say in these last days. Yeah. So, and, and it was talking <laughs> about a covenant age, not the yeah. end of the world. We actually talk about that in the book that we just released. But what did it for me is I remember exactly where I was. I was in, it was one of those sons conferences with Jamie Englehart. I think it was either the fall of 2013 or the fall of 2014. And Lynn Hiles were there, Dr. Lynn Hiles. 
And he made a statement that at the time was shocking for me, and it was this statement. The word rapture is not even in the Bible, people, because he's one of the major teachings on understanding eschatology, and he has hundreds of videos and re uh, resources for you that we'll share at the yeah. end here. But many people assume that it's talked about in the book of Revelation. However, not only does Revelation not say the word at all, it also says nothing about the church disappearing from the planet, even as a metaphor. Uh, actually, quite the opposite. Revelation 21 verse 2 says that the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven to earth. And again, we unpack this in episode 35, talking about the fact that we are the new heavens and the new earth, but it's the exact opposite. So that was shocking to me when we first began to you know, study this out. And so where did people get this idea of the rapture? Right. So really it's founded one specific place. There's other areas where people might go to it, but there's one place where people always go with this idea of rapture. And it's the first Thessalonians chapter three, there's two verses, 16 and 17. And let me, let me just read it. Mm -hmm. And then we can kind of unpack it a little bit and bring some context, but it says for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. That's important. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So let's bring some context yeah. to that. So reading that at face value, it, it sounds like a rapture. Yeah. It sounds like this why, idea we're getting caught up. Yeah, we're going to get caught up in the air with the Lord and he's going to come back to take us out and everybody's going to be singing Kumbaya in a cloud. But again, context is so important. You have to remember who was writing the book of Thessalonians, who was he writing to. And just to share some context, if you if you read that whole portion that is broken up in, in your Bible, which originally isn't broken up in your Bible, verses 13 to 18, they're talking about the resurrection, the resurrection of Christ, the hope that we have in Jesus. Paul even says in Titus 2, verse 13, that the blessed hope is about to happen. What was that blessed hope? It was a total end of the old covenant. That was what the blessed hope was. And the resurrection of Jesus brings in the new covenant, a whole different way to relate to God. So verses 16 and 17 are speaking about those who are dead in Christ and then those who are alive in Christ. Here's something to ponder. The dead in Christ were not on the planet. They're not on planet Earth. The alive in Christ were encouraged to believe this was going to happen in their lifetime. Paul uses the word we. He's talking about himself. Paul's we in verse 17 was talking about them. So three things to understand about verse 17. One, being caught up means to be taken or brought together into his kingdom of glory. The cloud representing the glorious presence of God. This is a metaphoric language meant to describe a welcoming of the new covenant to impact earth, not about us going away. Number two, there's two different errors translated throughout scripture. Yeah, the word error. The word right. error. Yeah. It's the Greek number uh, 3772 and the Greek number 109. In this passage, it's the Greek word 109. And again, I'm, I'm giving you those references so you can look them up so you right. can fact check me. And it means to breathe unconsciously, to respire. Did I say that word right? To blow. This air is the spirit realm air. Jesus said before his crucifixion to receive the spirit and he breathed on them. Your feet don't even have to leave the ground to be caught up in this kind of air. Much of the church in general doesn't know what is going on in the spirit realm. We tend to only preach on practical matters. We often ignore the spiritual reality of the Holy Spirit living within us, dwelling now in the here and now, giving you power to make your home more like heaven. Facts. Number three, 
and so it will be with the Lord forever. And so we will be with the Lord forever. This quote, it's understanding the new covenant reality that God is always present within us. Remember the yeah. context that he's talking to. These people had no revelation that, that God could dwell in you, the temple. You always had to go to the temple. They were in a completely different system. Right. So when Paul writes this, this is blowing their minds of, of helping yeah, them there understand. There is going to be no separation. No separation. You, and God. you don't need a priest. You're you are a priest. in union with God. Yeah, facts. Forever. Yeah. So yeah. That understanding the context of this, real easy, you can break apart this whole idea that they get of like, again, my biggest question, and I'll say it again in a little bit, is, is why would Jesus want us to escape the planet when he created us and empowered us to impact the planet? Right. That should be the question you you ponder as you think about was well, the rapture yeah. theory even a real thing? Right. Why would why would God want the people that could actually make a difference to actually be taken out to be a help to the people who remain if that were the case? Yeah. But I know for me, I I always go to and this might be to kind of debunk the the idea of rapture because people want to go to Matthew 24, they also want to go to Luke 17. And if you really closely look at Luke 17, the very scriptures people use for an existence of the rapture actually really negate it. And, and let me just read it here real quick. And this is in Luke 17, it's verse 34 and 35. This is Jesus. He says, I tell you on that night, so the supposed rapture night, right? Mm -hmm. On that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. So this idea of this is what it's going to be like when the rapture happens. Mm -hmm. But the disciples, they hear Jesus say this and they're like, where Lord, like, where are they going to be taken? And Jesus says, he replied where there is a dead body and where there are vultures gathered together. Hmm. Like, so the people that are actually taken or so-called rapture, people don't even think about it. They're going to where the dead bodies are and where vultures gather. Like, do they understand what they're even saying? I never even thought about that. So you're, you're unpacking that it's actually bad to be taken. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's better to stay. It's Which, better to be the ones left. The context of that was in all that. talking about what was going to happen in the destruction of Jerusalem in yeah. 70 AD. So it's, so multiple contexts here. Yeah. And okay. I just want to preface this before we go any further. There could still be a rapture. I personally do not believe in a rapture currently today, and it has done wonders for my faith. I have no fear around any of that stuff. I personally do not believe in the rapture, but I'm also aware to say if there is a rapture, no worries. I'll see you in it Yeah, because it, this is not a salvation issue. Right. This is not a, oh my gosh, Corey doesn't believe in the rapture. He's going to hell type thing. Like, and I, I have a, we, I, I don't want to say I, I think I can say we in this moment, we have a lot of people that we're closely connected to that really do believe in this idea or this theory of rapture mm -hmm. and they will believe it. A lot of them, we have pastor friends that preach it and that's okay. If you're, you're one that believes it, I think my hang up is people want to disassociate because maybe I don't believe in this idea of the rapture. But what I tell these people all the time is look it like what you just said. If there's going to be a rapture, guess what? I'm going to be okay because me being raptured isn't predicated on my belief in the rapture. It's predicated on my belief in Jesus. And guess what? I believe in Jesus. Right. I love Jesus. So I'm going if there is going to be one. Yeah. So just to bring some ease if you're fuming right now, but we really just want you to begin <laughs> this process of being okay to question some things that you may have been taught your whole life that you think are orthodox. Yeah. You know, because even Revelation 5.10 says, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, comma, 
and they will reign on the earth. Yet what I found in a lot of Christian circles is many people can't wait to be removed. Why is that? I often think it's because they don't understand their power and responsibility that they are the kingdom of God here on earth because the kingdom dwells inside. Right. They don't understand that, man, we are co-heirs with Christ, according to Romans 8 and Galatians 3 and 4, that we're co-crucified, that we're co-buried, co-resurrection, co-resurrected, all in Romans chapter 6, that we co-ascended, we're co-seated. Right, right now, we are seated in heavenly places. And so when we hope for Jesus to, quote, rapture us, it's often because we're disappointed and not satisfied with what we've already have in Christ, right? Religion would have us believe that the best part of Christianity happens after we die. Yeah. But the church is not supposed to look like some salesman pushing heavenly timeshares, right? The primary message of Christianity is not a destination, rather it's a declaration of what Jesus has done. And we're supposed to make our homes now more like heaven, not just try to make our, or heaven, our home. And so, so Yeah. yeah. Ask, answer that question. Why would Jesus want us to escape the planet when he created us and empowered us to impact, impact it? I love what you said. Religion would have us believe that the best part of Christianity happens after we die. And when I was, when that statement, we've been wrestling with that statement for years. It's like, holy smokes, my entire basis for following Jesus was to get to heaven. And I had no real joy. And now that I've deconstructed, I have actually found joy. I, I love the Bible way more. I love Jesus way more. And I don't worry about missing the rapture. There's no fear in that at all. It's completely removed. And I love this quote by Nathan Edward Camacho. It's again, talking about eschatology, which is uh, the study of the end End times, times, which we might go into greater detail in another episode. But he says, inaccurate eschatology causes believers to wait for a king who already reigns, wait for a kingdom they're already in, wait to become what they already are, wait for power that they already have, Wait for an age that they're already in. Wait for victory that's already been won and wait to do what they should already be doing. So the only response is stop waiting. Stop waiting. And And start start experiencing the kingdom now and realize it's right now. Impacting it and and blowing it up in a great way. Like this is why I'm so passionate about this subject because if, if rapture prevents you from making your world a better place, then you are missing the kingdom of God, which is within you, yeah. which is hard to miss because it's within you, but you're missing being a part of it. Yeah. And I think, I think the thing we didn't talk about in this too, it actually does change what we think about as far as our legacy and what we're leaving. Because if we mm-hmm. really do be- believe we think we're going to be raptured, why won't I go rack up all kinds of credit cards? That's card what debt? happened why in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Why won't I go out and you know just live crazy financially and not have anything left. I mean, I ought to just tell my kids not to go to college and got to go to school and better. Why? Because Jesus come back. So it's not going to matter. And that actually happened to a mm-hmm. lot of people. Yeah. I actually have close friends, people in ministry that racked up a bunch of credit card debt. I got people that didn't go off to college because they're like, oh, well, why? why? Why worry about my future when Jesus is coming back? So you, people get, you know, all jacked up with this and we got to be careful. You and that's why it's careful. important to understand and, and really study out and figure out what you believe about this. Yeah. And so hopefully that was encouraging. That's one of the, you know, pillars, so to speak, from our last episode that had to come crashing down and I never rebuilt it. And again, this was just a brief, what we've only been talking for like 20 something minutes. But if you want to learn more, we're going to put it in your court to, or your side of the court to, to figure this out. You can, 
easy YouTube search, Dr. Lynn Hiles has put all of his teaching. There's hundreds of videos on eschatology alone. He's put all of this stuff out there for free. And I know people love to talk about the book of Revelation and, oh, can we do it? Can we do Bible study about it? Can we walk through it? He has dozens, if not hundreds of specific videos yep. addressing each individual passage like a walkthrough. Yep, I've and, gone through the class. Yeah. It changed so. it changed how I understood Revelation. It made everything make sense. Uh, there's also a guy by the name of Dr. John Noe. He has a whole YouTube class. Again, he puts all that stuff out there for free and he doesn't ask you for money. All, like he, if you want to be generous, you can be generous, but he's not like, hey, you have to pay us and whatnot. All of these stuff are like seminary level courses that is they put that on their these are doctors and not like hey i went to a conference and and earned a doctor just because i showed up or paid money like these guys are earned doctorates in this in this field and one of the books that really helped me more than any of them was the book raptureless by jonathan welton i'm not sure if it's in print anymore i didn't look to see if you can actually order it i have the copy i was gonna say i have a copy of it too if you're interested awesome it's very academic but Mm -hmm. it's very thorough and that's really what helped me more than anything yep and then How the End Times Ended in 70 AD by Micah Stevens. You can find that on um, Amazon Books. Very simple read, very short read on understanding that. So yeah, there's a lot of information out there for you to study and wrestle with. Again, we're not here to try and, and change your mind about anything. We're telling you about our own journey of deconstruction. And this is one of those hot topics that for me personally had to be knocked down and I'm excited to talk about future episodes on other things that we've knocked down. Some we've rebuilt, others we've left desolate in the desert and has been the best right. thing for my own journey, like this my one. own and, faith. And I hope that this episode brought you maybe a little bit of freedom uh, in not being afraid of maybe something that's you thinks to come. And, and that's really the purpose of this podcast is to give you tools, resources, help, and to just start the conversation um, that it's okay to question things and figure out and navigate through what you really believe and what you want to hold on to. And so, yeah, we hope this was a blessing to you today. Yeah. And so hopefully maybe you want to impact people a little bit better and a little bit deeper by recognizing that you're not waiting for the rapture to happen. God's waiting for you to get your butt in action and love on some people that need love. Yeah. So go do it. So with that, we'll just say you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.